0: Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, El Michelle Smith, and each episode we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. 2002 and I had just gone in to my senior vice president at the global agency where I was working to figure out how to freelance and still support many of her C-level clients. Shortly thereafter I started looking for some clients of my own and the first place I turned was the National Association of Black Journalists. I had a really great relationship with one of the icons on ABC News. Her name was Carol Simpson. I was looking for news anchors or producers or anyone, writers, journalists, who may have books all their own. At the time, I didn't have the relationships in corporate America to start to get the big contracts. Eventually I would. So I turned to Carol Simpson and asked her if she would require any public relations support. And she told me she wasn't the one that needed the support, but I might reach out to her producer. So she copied in a woman named Alilia Bundles and introduced us. What I didn't know about Alilia at the time was that not only was she Carol Simpson's producer, but also the talent development executive working with names like Sam Donaldson. But she was also the great great granddaughter of the first American female millionaire in history, Madam C.J. Walker. So as it turned out, she was writing the first book, the authorized biography of Madam C.J. Walker, who most people, especially black Americans, wrongfully and incorrectly credit for inventing the pressing comb. She did much more than that. In fact, what she did had nothing to do with pressing combs. All that said, I met Alilia in a small cafe in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at one of the NABJ conventions and career fairs, and she unraveled the project that she was working on. The book was called on her own ground, and it was about the life and times of Madam C.J. Walker. Lilia Bundles became my very first client, and you get to meet her today. My, oh my, will Madam Walker be proud of her great-great-granddaughter.
1: Michelle, it's great to be with you.
0: It's great to be with you too. And um, let's start with our culture suit moment. And you're all about women's empowerment. And a lot of that has to do with Madam Walker's story. And what most people know is she was a titan in hair care. And she empowered black women to not only learn how to do their own hair, but make money from it, too, as they sold products that would make their hair more manageable and also healthy, correct?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the story, people know if they know something about Madam Walker, they know maybe that she's a millionaire and that she had something to do with hair. But all of those other dimensions of her, Mm -hmm. overcoming obstacles but empowering women, providing opportunities for them to make their own independent income, uh, as well as to enhance their beauty. But she was really about giving women economic independence and then using some of that money that they'd made and that she had made to make a difference in the world as philanthropists and as supporters Mm -hmm. of really black activism. I I see her as really kind of Black Lives Matter 1.0 when you start to really delve into who she is.
0: Absolutely, She's all of these hashtags rolled up into one. She's Black Girl Magic. She is Black Excellence. She's all of these things. But I want to concentrate on one hashtag that will get us rolling, and that's hashtag Team Natural.
1: Definitely. And Definitely. I know
0: you probably used the, the hashtag before, have you?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think because what some people, when people know something about Madam Walker, they think about her as, the lady was the hot comb and they, you know, we have to always correct that little right. myth that she did not invent the hot comb. But I think it is what, what she was trying to do was to help people really take care of their hair at a time when most people didn't have indoor plumbing and they didn't have shampoos and products that were really uh, catering to black women. And she developed a shampoo and an ointment mm-hmm. that helped them have healthier hair. And for me, one of the, you know, sort of uh, moments of irony Mm -hmm. is that in the 60s, because I'm old enough to have been around (laughs) in the 60s, when people were transitioning from straight hair to natural hair, um, that my mother took me to the Madam C.J. Walker Beauty School. And those women who were working in the school gave me my first big natural. My hair wow. still had perm in it. Uh-huh. They put it up on, on uh, permanent wave rods, mm-hmm. and when it came out, it was curly, and it was a big natural. So it was really about healthy wow. hair, always about healthy hair for Team Natural.
0: So you use the term uh, 1.0 when you are talking about Black Lives Matter, but she was really Team Natural 1.0 because she was all about education. And the one thing that that hashtag did for a lot of women, including myself, was it led you to information on how to take care of your hair. And it was long before a lot of these hair care products and manufacturers had actually gotten on board. I was running my agency at the time, and we'll talk a bit about how we met. But I was running my agency at the time, hashtag Team Natural took off and was representing a couple of hair care brands that hadn't quite decided to get out of the relaxer business or at least try some natural products for this um, audience that was out there. And you saw this burgeoning community online where they were looking at YouTube videos and they were tweeting one another and they were writing blogs on their hair journey so that other people like them could kind of figure out their hair too. And that is what Madam Walker was doing before the internet, right?
1: long before the internet. Listen, I'm sure that she would have been an Instagram girl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Instagram, not Twitter. Not Facebook, but
1: Instagram. Right, well, it's all because it's all about the visuals, and she was very conscious of portraying things visually. She Mm -hmm. had a, um, what was called a stereopticon show, which was like PowerPoint that she used as she traveled around the country. She would give lectures, and she had photos not just of hairstyles mm-hmm. and of her demonstrating hair, but of black institutions, black schools, right. uh, famous black people, and she would use that to inspire people. So she knew the power of the visual, right? she, I, and she advertised in black newspapers. So I I know she wow. would have been all over that idea.
0: Well, Alilia, back up a second. You said
1: stereo-optic what? stereo con.
0: Okay. Tell me so about those that. were gla- they that? They were glass
1: slides, and they were on a projector. So you know the old you know, little 35 millimeter slide projectors. Okay. These were glass slides. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She was that's, way that's way ahead of her time. Wow.
0: Well, obviously. You were a very high power producer somewhere.
1: I was, yeah. Right? I think at that point I was at, uh, at ABC. Yes. And my book, On Her Own Ground, had come out a year or so before, so I think I was you know, marketing that book at NABJ. Right. But so, my dear, I thought that when we went to have a drink or have lunch, mm-hmm. I thought you'd been in business for a long time. You just no, had that you know, boss thing going on.
0: <laughs> well, I made it clear, especially after you signed that contract, that you were my first client. <laughs> and I was so excited because this story of Madam Walker, I felt was just going to bless my business because... It really was about empowering women. And here I was on my own, you know, doing my own thing, starting my own business. And to have her spirit even in the mix really was just astounding to me.
1: Well, you know, what I loved about the way that you approached me is to find out what I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was, yes, I was trying to promote my book, but I had had this opportunity you know, there were so many doors that opened to me because of telling Madam Walker's story. And I could talk to students at Harvard Business School. Mm-hmm. But I had recently, right before I saw you, I had spoken with women who were at Bedford Hills Correctional Facility right, in New that. York. Uh-huh. And that had come about. I'd given a lecture and some women were at the lecture. And they said, you know, they're teaching your book on her own ground at Bedford Hills Correctional Facility. And I was so excited to hear that. And I yeah. said, but I would really love to visit the prison. Mm-hmm. And they arranged for me to visit the prison. And these women had studied that book like it was a textbook. They had some of the best questions. They had reports that they had written. And I was so moved by them and knowing they didn't. At that point, the internet was still relatively new. But mm-hmm. they, in prison, could not did not have access to the internet. But they right. could read books. Mm-hmm. And what you and I talked about was creating Sending books to the prison. And I'm sure you're the one who came up with the name, um, which was 100 Books, 100 Women.
0: Right. And right.
1: I sent an email at that point because we, it, it, I don't know, it was way before There was Facebook, no social but, media. Right. I, I sent an email to a bunch of friends, women writers. And I said, I'm going to be sending boxes of books to Bedford Hills Correctional Facility. Please send copies of your book and any other books that you want to get rid of. And we sent hundreds of books to Bedford Hills Correctional Facility. It was so
0: exciting! It was so exciting. We became friends and became business partners almost. Right. As you were my client, and you had your book on on your own on her own ground, and you were the biographer, and so I, I needed to read that book, dispel any myths that I thought I knew about. Madam Walker, and learn the story of women's empowerment. So let me ask you this. What have you thought about how the internet has actually worked to empower black women to learn more about their hair?
1: Well, you, now all you have to do is go on YouTube and you can find that somebody has hair that's your texture. You can find out what products that you may be interested in whether they work for you, um, you know, whether they're overpriced, whether mm-hmm. they're, you know, whether they're a good fit. And everybody's hair texture is really different. So Absolutely. what will work for one person may not work for you. And actually what will work for you in the summer may not work for you in the winter. And you may have a couple different textures on your hair. At least, at right. least a couple mm-hmm. different ones. Right. But it, it, it allows women to exchange information. And, you know, I think when you know there were people who were living in communities where there were You know, no black beauty salons. Um, Mm -hmm. They didn't really have access. If you're not in in a big city, then it's often hard to find somebody who can take care of your hair. And the internet really allows people to figure out ways to take care of their hair to connect with other people. And it's not just YouTube. There are, as you know, all kinds of Facebook. groups where people exchange information. So it's Mm -hmm. really opened things up. And I would say the other thing is that when somebody, when a kid is expelled from school for Mm. having natural hair, Mm. when somebody is fired from a job, Mm -hmm. when the military tried to tell black women that they couldn't have their hair natural, it went viral. And every time that happens, it goes viral. So you really can't keep these things hidden. And and under control the way that they used to be.
0: Absolutely. So, talk about the connection between black hair, or even hair in general for women, taking care of it, and empowerment. There's a link there. There is. What did
1: you say? There is, and I think that that in, in many instances, we many of us grow up. Um, with, you know, not a lot of confidence about our hair. Mm-hmm. And you and I discovered that when we did um, Mocha Moms and yes. reading to daughters. And, and I, mm-hmm. that was sort of right, right in front of me as I could see moms coming to the library with their daughters and, you know, getting tips about hair and realizing that, that one of the great revelations for me is that even if you figure out your own hair, Mm -hmm. Because you may have three or four different things going on with Mm -hmm. your hair. You may not understand your daughter's hair because she has your genes as well as her father's genes. And you may have three or four daughters and each of them may have different Different hair. hair. So it is about learning the texture of your hair and becoming comfortable with it. And what your hair will do is not necessarily what your sister's hair will do or what your best friend's hair will do. And I'm still on that journey. You know, yes. at you know, at many, 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 many years later, Yes. I have now my hair is long. I wore my hair really short for maybe 20 or 25 years. Mm-hmm. And in the last five years or so, I decided to let it grow because I like the gray. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, many it's people beautiful. don't like the gray, but I like it. But I'm still right now kind of on a journey where I'm wearing it up because down, I can't quite figure out what it is, but I'm trying to let it be what it wants to Mm be. And it's, it's hard. I think people feel the pressure to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, They think that somebody, you know, the guy in their life, the woman in their life wants them to look a certain way, but it's really about getting comfortable with yourself.
0: It really is. And you know what, that curl pattern, you know, we kind of see ourselves in these cycles where at first it was, okay, do you, let your texture do what it does. But then at some point in there, I don't know if you noticed, there was this quest for the perfect curl pattern. And I, whether you were a 4C or a 1B, everybody was trying to make it look one way. And, you know, there was some dialogue online about, wait, 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 wait. Aren't we kind of falling into the same thing, even though it's not with relaxers? We're trying to make everyone's hair look the same.
1: Exactly. And,
0: and a lot of that happens. Uh, But there's something about women and their crown and glory, right, that gives us confidence. And if we're fine with the way we look, we can go about life and execute things with excellence, with our head up and all of that. And I think that's something that Madam Walker tapped into. Maybe she understood that if women didn't feel good about their appearance, they couldn't be their best selves.
1: Right. And that, that, that you shouldn't have to spend all day doing your hair, mm-hmm. that your hair should not be something that takes so much time that you become obsessed with it, mm-hmm. that finding a way that is, you know, something that is quick, especially if you're busy and if you have kids or you have a job, I mean, you can't really spend a whole Saturday doing your hair. Like, What is a, a style that's going to function for you at whatever stage in life uh, mm-hmm. you're living at that point? But right. she also knew that healthy hair was the most important thing. I, I'm not so sure that she would. In fact, I know she would not be all that excited about all the weaves and all the wigs mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, but sometimes that's the best. That's the easiest way for people to to function. Right. So, you know, she would you know, she would understand that. But I think that she would she would really be emphasizing having healthy hair and figuring out how to do it. Though, I will say, you know, to your point about everybody wanting to have the same curl pattern, you know whose hair I love? Cornell Belcher, who's the brother oh. who's, like the, who's like the political analyst. Yes. I love his hair. His but hair My hair will do that. <laughs> and I saw another friend and I said, oh, girl, you're, I love your hair. And she said, this is a wig. So, yeah. you know, you just oh, really... Yeah.
0: The synthetic hair and even the mm-hmm. hair um, from other places that people right. get has has evolved so much that you could get clip-ins and all sorts of things to add to your hair that look natural, right? Like a three B or something, whatever the <laughs> texture.
1: And it looks so real. You don't know so what's going on. And so, so I think me, it becomes uh-huh. playful. You know, yes. and I, there is, there's that part of like, what is healthy hair? Mm-hmm. And then there's a point where you just want to kind of let it go and have fun. And that's a good thing too. Right. Yes. So I'm, I'm very happy to be the brand historian for Madam C.J. Walker Beauty Culture and Richelieu Dennis, who people will know from Sundial Brands. He was the founder of Sundial Brands, which makes Shea Moisture and Nubian Heritage. And Madam C.J. Walker Beauty Culture is Sundial Brands prestige line that is sold exclusively in Sephora. And it is really exciting for me to be a part of this Sundial brand family because they are Richelieu is just a good guy. I mean, I just I love and his family, you know, his sister, his mother, the people who work there. Um, they are they have community commerce, so they're about philanthropy in the same way that Madame Walker was. And as some people may know, he recently bought Essence and he has started this new Visions Fund, which is a hundred million dollar venture capital fund to support black women, black, right, right. So I, you know, I love that this, that Madam C.J. Walker beauty culture is a part of that uh, sort of trio, that pantheon, and that it is, it's all new products. Like Madam Walker's original formulas were great. 113 years ago when she started her company. So Madam Walker's original formulas were great for, you know, more than a century ago. Mm -hmm. They did what they were supposed to do then, but we've had a century's worth of research and development. So now these new products are really about hair texture and about enhancing your hair texture. So there's something for every texture, whether your hair is Kinky, whether it is curly, whether it is straight. And as we've said, some people have all of those things going on. Right. So there's it's really addressing the fact that everybody's got the frizzy sometimes mm-hmm. and everybody needs moisture. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Madame CJ Walker Beauty Culture is all about.
0: Anything in there for shrinkage? Because I know that's one thing oh, yeah. that we yeah, we deal with that.
1: Definitely. <laughs> the Jamaican black castor oil, absolutely. Oh wow. So, so- people can go to MCJWbeauty.com culture.com.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So what's your favorite in the line? What's your favorite?
1: So product? I love there, there's things I really, the oils I really like. There's a Jamaican black castor oil. There's a brassica seed oil and you know, it's just a little bit and mm-hmm. I put it on my hair and it gives it some shine. Um, there's a buttercream, Jamaican black castor mm-hmm. oil, buttercream mm-hmm. that just kind of, you know, refreshes my hair. Right. And then there's coconut spray. Ooh. I mean, on the shampoos are very nice too, but those, you know, I think product, the, the post wash product is the thing that we (laughs) use. Oh,
0: absolutely. Styling products help us maintain. You have something else going on. So the book, On Her Own Ground, has something happening. You want to talk about that?
1: So, you know, I'm so excited. This has been, you know, journey, the journey of having written On Her Own Ground, which came out in 2001, yes. is now going to be a Netflix series. Woohoo! So <laughs> this is, and I, you know, I, it's, it's as if I have been step by step and setbacks and obstacles and things, you know, doors that were shut. And about three years ago, uh, Mark Holder from Zero Gravity Management mm-hmm. approached me about acquiring the rights to my book. And that led to, Octavia Spencer, wow. being approached to mm-hmm. be an actor. And when she met with Mark Holder, she said, you know, I'm also interested in being an executive producer. Ooh. And she then brought LeBron James in. Oh, I didn't
0: know about so,
1: LeBron. Oh, that's huge. So I'm very excited. So Spring Hill Entertainment is part of it as well.
0: Oh, and wow. And I've been
1: around this block many times, but I think it is finally really happening. This and sounds
0: really, really promising. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome, Alilia. Almost twenty years later.
1: Almost twenty years later. Wow. But I think that's about any entrepreneur. You know, you plant those seeds, and you just really can't give up. And I think when you really do have the entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. you don't even realize how much time has gone by. Right. You're just in that. You're, You're just in that. About it. Yeah in it and you just keep going
0: Well, and you know that's one of the common threads in many of the conversations that I'm having with friends that are joining me on the Culture Soup podcast we all have this entrepreneurial spirit so A'Lelia tell the listeners where they can A. Find your book because it's still out there in circulation uh, B. Get your products, I think you gave us a, a, an address to go to and give that to us again. And anything else you want us to look out for because it sounds like you have a new book coming.
1: So, so my website is uh, aleliabundles.com. A-L-E-L-I-A bundles.com. And our Madam C.J. Walker Beauty Culture website is mcjwbeautyculture.com. I also have a Madam, M-A-D-A-M-C-J-Walker.com website. Mm -hmm. And I'm on Instagram, A'Lelia Bundles, at A'Lelia Bundles. I'm on Twitter, at A'Lelia Bundles. And I'm on Facebook, uh, A'Lelia Bundles and A'Lelia Bundles Author. And then I have five or six different Facebook things. (laughs) Um, Black hair historian. Yes, yes. (laughs) I have that but those are the places where I post a lot. And you know, and I use the I use the platforms in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. I really like my personal Facebook page and I do a lot of politics on that, but mm-hmm. that page is pretty private mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily want my political right. stuff way way out there. I don't think it's anything is really private on the internet, right. but I like to have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Twitter I use for news feeds. I don't really want to get into arguments with people and the crazy trolls who are on Twitter, (laughs) but I value Twitter for the news that I get and what I can do. It helps me see what's going on. Absolutely. And I'm just learning Instagram. It's fun. It is fun. It's more fun fun than I thought it was. Isn't it? And I was kind of afraid to do it because I thought, oh my God, all I need is one more time suck. Oh. But it's pretty manageable. It
0: is. The pace is manageable. And I think you can guard access to this actually one of the reasons why I moved off of Facebook and went whole hog into Instagram. It's a slower pace. People don't get into these tit for tats, you know, and it's a lot of foolishness on Facebook. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I have I've eliminated those people, I just have to say. Right. I don't I don't with the foolishness. <laughs> I don't blame you. So do you want to talk about the book you're working on? Sure. So I have now, since I saw you, I've written two other books, Mm -hmm. and I'm working on yet another one. So uh, I have written a a young adult book that came out in 91, Mm -hmm. then On Her Own Ground that came out in 2001, then um, an Arcadia book with 200 photographs called Madam C.J. Walker uh, Theater Center and Indianapolis Treasure. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those Arcadia books with the sepia Mm -hmm. cover that came out a few years ago. Then last year, I wrote a new uh, children's book called All About Madam C.J. Walker. Mm-hmm. And those are all, you can find all of those on A'LeliaBundles.com, but also on Amazon. And the book that I'm working on now, which I've been working on for a really long time, but I'm almost finished, is a biography of A'Lelia Walker at the Harlem Renaissance.
0: Yes.
1: So I remember it's you called, first
0: talking about that. And right, it it's sounded a long so time fascinating. ago. This is right. your grandmother, right? My great-grandmother. Great-grandmother. Okay. Right. So, Madam Walker's
1: daughter. Madam Walker's daughter. Okay. And it's called The Joy Goddess of Harlem mm-hmm. because Langston Hughes called her the Joy Goddess of Harlem's 1920s. Oh, wow. Book the Big Sea because she gave great parties. And, you know, she was really flamboyant and interesting. She traveled internationally. She was a big patron of the arts. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot in doing the research about her. I really had not given her the credit for being the patron that she was and how she brought together the actors and musicians and writers and artists and her homes were the place to be. Yeah,
0: you said she'd have these parlors right, where the great writers, the great artists would show up and just do what they did, right? Right. There
1: was always live music. Wow. She really enjoyed having on, and she knew everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have books that were autographed by Langston Hughes and Counting Cullen, Jean Toomer, you know, mm-hmm. things that were in her library. And we've been, you know, that's part of my Madam C.J. Walker archives, mm-hmm. family archives. And those things, that's sort of one of my other hats that I wear. And I, as soon as I finish this book, I'm going to uh, donate a lot of things to the Schlesinger Library on the History of Women in America at Harvard. I've donated some things to the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. So I really want people, I want, when I'm gone, I want these things to be there so other people can learn from them and they can feel empowered by Madame Walker's life. That is fight.
0: so amazing. I am empowered just talking to you, Lillian, and I'm so glad that you're in my life and we got to stay in contact better.
1: <laughs> That's for well, sure. I'm, just, I'm so proud of you because I, you know, to know that I was in that, you know, first cohort yes. of your clients who have watched you develop a business and then to have watched you reinvent, and it's not really reinvent, I guess, but just sort of take things, yes. continue to take things to a next level, to mm-hmm. keep opening doors for yourself and finding your, you know, your next bliss is a wonderful thing. Thank
0: you. You know, I like to say I'm a builder and a fixer and I need to have that outlet so as I'm doing the podcast and I'm, I'm writing and contributing to national publications, there's some other things that I'm building, and this really is the framework for it. So it really does scratch an itch that I have when it comes to entrepreneurship, even though I work for a fortune nine. And yeah. it also allows me to have an outlet to have these conversations in a, in a way that just really nurtures human relationships and um, some of these conversations i have um, are primarily just for audio because they are uh, podcasts Uh, but i like to have that face-to-face contact so even if you're in uh, montreal canada like with audrey dubois harris just having that interaction is so awesome so well
1: that's the technology you're talking about the idea that we can you know, see each other and have this conversation and sort of get updated on what you look like now. I know, right? That, you know, it's, I mean, it, it's stunning. And you think that when people think about what they, what kind of obstacles they might have, if, I mean, it's not that people don't have obstacles and it's not that people don't have setbacks. That's a very real part of life. Right. But there are so many, so many outlets and so many platforms absolutely. and so many tools absolutely. that we can use now.
0: Yes, absolutely. Alilia, it has been a pleasure. I am so excited for everything that is happening and it's awesome to see you.
1: Likewise, great (laughs) to see you. Thanks for coming on. All right, right. my pleasure. Let's
0: hear it for Alilia Bundles, the great-great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker. Isn't it amazing? I can't wait to see her Netflix series and I'm so glad to know that her book is going well. I can't wait to read that new book about her great-grandmother. So what's coming next? That's part one of the Women's Empowerment Series. We'll have Miko Branch, the owner and co-founder of Miss Jessie's Hair Care Products. So we're just gonna segue right on into Team Natural, hashtag Team Natural, and all you naturalistas, be on the lookout for this one because we get to talk to one of the first natural hair care brands that made its way off the internet and into big box retail like Target. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup and log on and subscribe and tell a friend to subscribe at theculturesoup.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communication.